This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, folks. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 234, recorded Monday, October the 26th, 2015. Oh, Jason. Oh, Christopher. Things are getting dark. People are starting to cower inside buildings. Relationships are getting cold and friends are turning on each other. And that's just at my house. But enough about the weather outside. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. I I jumped on your joke. I'm sorry. You stepped on my line. That's okay. (laughs) But you know what? We were on the same same wavelength there. We had the same joke running. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Just at your house or weather, whatever, we are here to talk about Season 6, Episode 3 of The Walking Dead. And I think everything I just said kind of uh, applies. So I would think so. Without further ado, we don't have ratings or anything to go over yet, so we'll do that on Wednesday. So I think we're going to jump straight in to the uh, the recap this week. Okay. It's, right. it's the shortest preamble ever. Well, unless you keep talking about it. Yeah, that's true. All right, here we go. This episode was titled... Oh, oh wait, sorry. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is The Talking Dead, talking about The Walking Dead, Season 6, Episode 3. Thank you. And thank you to everybody who sent in the title read, Matt in Abertillery, Kelly in Seattle. Her clip came from the TV show Archer, she mentioned. Uh, Damien in Virginia, Gemma in Wales, John in the UK, and Dante in Houston, Texas, Safe Zone 19. Oh, good. That last one there by Dante, the way he delivered the thank you, it was very (laughs) um, reminiscent of... Uh, Bruce Campbell, for some reason, I thought. You thought of Bruce Campbell? Yeah, it made me think of Bruce Campbell in Evil Dead going, thank you. Doesn't he do that? I'm not sure. I don't recall, but I think I want to watch the Evil Dead series again. I think I'm ready. It's Halloween. Well, you may not be aware of this, sir, but there is a TV show on the Stars Network premiering on Halloween uh, called Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Well, I'm just going to quit the podcast and go watch that. Sorry, Ash versus Evil Dead. There's no the, I don't think. Um, yeah, we, I'm watching it for sure, and you should too. Yeah, I will. That's great. It's gonna, I didn't know that. Well, stars, you say. Stars, yes. I don't know if Stars is one of the networks that puts their shows on iTunes right away, but uh, either way, we're not here to talk about that, but it will be fun to talk about that at some day. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, let's get back to our recap, or let's start our recap. So... Season 6, Episode 3, thank you. We open with a black screen, and the horn is blaring. So the horn's back on again. Yep. Third time's a charm. That's right. We see Glenn. He's running through the woods, and uh, we soon find out that he's with Rick, who's on a radio, and he's telling Tobin to light it up, but he gets no response from Tobin. Mm -hmm. He's not sure what's up with Tobin. Um, We find out then they're running with a large group of Alexandrians, and the list of people that are here are, as far as I could tell, Michonne. We have a guy named Barnes, who's wearing a blue shirt. We've got David. There's Annie. Scott, who we know, who we've seen a couple times. There's a guy named Sturgis, who has a big floppy hat on. Mm -hmm. 
And we also have Heath and Nicholas, in addition to Rick, of course. Oh, and there's also a guy named Glenn that you forgot to mention. Well, there is Glenn, but he's I, he, I mentioned him off the top. <laughs> no, you didn't, did you? Yes, Glenn running through the woods. Oh, I see. I, I was just thinking, there's this guy named Glenn there as well. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's not important at all in this episode. No, not at all. <laughs> so that's the group who is running through the woods. And we get... Uh, Back to Rick, and he gets on the radio with Daryl, who who does respond, and Daryl wants to help by turning back towards Alexandria to come and help, but Rick tells him to keep leading the rest of the zombie parade away, because that's still their main mission. Yeah, with Walt, the zombie parade is still a huge threat, so we still have to get rid of those zombies, and in addition to this other forked-off herd. Yeah, so they have one herd that's forked off towards Alexandria, but they've still got the car and the motorcycle leading the main group away, or what's left of the main group. Yeah. So Daryl kind of reluctantly agrees to this at the time, it seems like, but he really wants to to ride off. Um, now, as they're going through the forest here, Nicholas, he kind of has a moment of some kind, and Glenn snaps him out of it. He, this happens to him a few times this episode, so w- what do we want to call these? Like a moment of panic, a moment of indecision? Uh, shell shock. So, so yeah, moment of like shell shock, kind of. He just yeah, it's just uh, kind of it. It's shock. It's your your brain shutting down for a couple of seconds. Mm-hmm. Well, that seems to be what happens to Nicholas here. He zones out for a second. Uh, to be fair, the guy's been through a lot. Yes, you know, recently, and he's about to go through a lot more. Um, and then uh, so Glenn snaps him out of that, and then as they're walking, Annie she falls and twists her ankle. Oh. So things are not going well for this group. <laughs> um, we we get a scene here where Barnes, who did I say Barnes was? The guy with the blue shirt. He starts arguing with Michonne that basically Rick has doomed them all. Like if it wasn't for Rick, everything would be fine. Um, yeah, if it wasn't Rick, there wouldn't be any zombie apocalypse. So, uh, you know, there wouldn't be any problems at all. No, he's he's panicking as well, obviously. So yeah. he's kind of saying like that guy and everything was fine until you guys showed up and it's all that guy's fault. Yeah. And he basically blames Rick for, for everything bad that's happened in the last uh, little while. Uh, but Michonne, you know, snaps at him, tells him to calm the hell down because you're not helping anybody at this point. And they uh, they come to a section in the forest, and Rick is sort of outlining the new plan. He says he's going to go back to the RV, and he's going to circle around and get in front of the zombies again, like the break-off zombies, I guess, and everybody else go home. Right. He's going to, like, pick up the zombie uh, secondary parade, move it back into line with the main parade, and, and try to get them back on course. Which is a good plan, really. Well, I guess so. If he thinks he can get around in front of them and lead them back, you know, the other way, then he saves the town. Yeah. Other uh, than what's going on at the town right now because of the horn, right? Uh, he doesn't know what's going on, but he knows something's going on. Right. But his his whole his whole idea is we're out here to do a job. We have to trust that the people back at town can handle themselves, right? Yeah. We can't immediately run back because i mean maybe it's nothing maybe maybe the horn is just an accident that's going off but he rick really wants to trust everyone there and finish the job that they came out here to do which totally makes sense i mean it's a good leader move too isn't it yeah i would think so yeah um so he tells everyone else to go home and then he takes glenn and michonne aside and he tells them that not all these people are going to make it so (laughs) right prepare yourself for that and if anybody gets hurt Keep going and make sure you guys get back. 
Right. He's kind of saying, you know, they're they're a little weaker, but you know, you guys are the strong ones, so make sure you guys get back safely. And as he's saying this, Heath is hiding behind a tree and overhears what he says. Yeah. Um, just at that moment, Barnes, who who knows what he was doing off, you know, by himself, <laughs> he gets bitten in the neck by a zombie. Yeah, he didn't last long. No, he did not. He had that one little conversation with Michonne, and now he's gone. Uh, so they rescue him-ish, but he's already been bitten. Um, Michonne stabs him in the head. No, you know... No, no hesitation there, really. Yeah. And just then the horn stops. So there we go. Horn is done again. And uh, Rick loots Barnes's body and the zombie's body, maybe. And, and he tells everyone to get back safe. Well, that's what you do in video games, right? As soon as you kill somebody, you uh, go through their pockets and get their money and whatever weapons they have. Yeah, it's what you do in video games in the zombie apocalypse. Like, why leave weapons on the ground with a dead person? Right, and money. And, you have to get the money, too. Well, of course. In video games, maybe. Money in the zombie apocalypse, I'm not sure it's quite as important. Well, I don't know. We've uh, There's uh, there's apocalypse stuff, and uh, there's ap- apocalypse video games where you get bottle caps, and you, sp- you can spend bottle caps on things. I guess. And, and I mean, money might not be entirely useless in the, in the zombie apocalypse. You might run into someone who has water, and they want something for it. I mean, if they, if they want your money, they're kind of... Uh, I think they're misappropriating things <laughs> or they're mis- misvaluing things maybe, but who knows? You never know. Uh, anyways, Rick tells everyone to get back safe and then we run the opening credits. When we come back, we've got Michonne's, I'm going to call them Michonne's group from now on because okay. Rick uh, went off on his own. So we've got Michonne's group walking through the woods. They say they're 10 to 20 minutes ahead of the herd. I think Glenn mentions that. And uh, they're talking about how they're all sort of scared that they're walking back to the town or walking back to nothing. Like maybe that horn was a bad sign. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe they're all dead. But that's just speculation. It is, it is. But you can't blame people for like worrying, right? No, not really. They don't really know what's going on. So they come to some zombies and Michonne, Glenn, and Heath go ahead to take them out, tell the other three to stay there. Uh, but they don't really do that, or the other three or four, I forget now, they join in the fight, and Sturgis, the big floppy hat guy, he ends up shooting Scott in the leg and then running away. Yeah, he's a, he's a real help. <laughs> yeah, not even a little bit. Um, Scott ends up with some zombies on him, but manages not to get bit because everyone else rescues him. Now, he was shot in the leg, so he's not in great shape, but he's not bit by a zombie. And then just when they think the fight is over, David, who's there, gets bit by stealth zombie on the back. Right. I was like, come on, this again? You know, they they just killed a bunch of zombies. They're really going to, like, suddenly let their guard down. He's going to be standing there, and a zombie's going to come out of nowhere and bite him on the back. Well, I assume that he had a cloak and very sharp teeth. <laughs> sharp teeth, I don't sure. know if somebody can uh, bite through your shirt to make a big gouge like that so quickly. Yeah, I mean, maybe the shirt was ripped already, I don't know, but it, what bothers me more is just that every once in a while, the show goes back to the concept of the stealth zombie. In fact, it they kind of did it with Carter in the first episode too, right? He was walking along and suddenly there was a zombie behind a tree and reached out and grabbed him. That was yeah. a little more believable for me because, sure, maybe Carter didn't see him there and he was moving. Here, there's like six people standing around and nobody hears it or sees it. Suddenly he's, you know, got his, got, uh, uh, got a bite in the guy's back. So 
eh, I wish they'd sort of stopped doing that. It was a little weak. A little I agree. Yeah. Um, we cut over to Daryl, and uh, he's telling Sasha and Abe, who are in the car, that he's going to go back. They don't want him to, of course, but say they can't stop him if that's the decision he wants to make. Um, and, you know, they're trying to follow the original plan and lead as much of this zombie parade away, but Daryl ends up leaving and says, don't worry, I have faith in you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't need me. You'll be fine. Well, at least, uh, you know, if you're going to say, screw you, I'm leaving, th- at least you can do it on a positive note. I have faith in you guys, and then bugger off. It's true. I guess so. Um, but, you know, I, even after Rick told him, like, we got to finish our job here, Daryl decides to go for a ride. So I know Daryl just wants to help, but he needed to stay with that group. Although, that being said, is it really necessary to have a motorcycle and a car leading the zombies? Isn't one or the other good enough? Good enough? Well, they're obviously they're backing each other up. Yeah, that's true. So there, there's a plan in place, and they put them all three of them there at the front of the zombie the parade, zombie parade, uh, for a reason. And uh, I think they have to stick to the plan. No, I I agree with that for sure. And and backing each other up makes a lot of sense too. Like if the motorcycle breaks down, he can hop in the car, for example. Yeah, and, and if the car breaks down, then all three of them can hop on the motorcycle. Sure, I could see that. Abraham, Daryl, and Sasha riding <laughs> one motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, they could do it. Well, why not? One would be on the handlebars, somebody on each other's shoulders. Yeah, that'd be exciting. Um, so that's, uh, we cut back over to Michonne's group. They come to a road, and, you know, they're helping Annie along, who's got a bad ankle, Scott with a bullet in his leg, and David, who has a bite in his back. So they've got three people here who are in kind of rough shape and slowing them down. But as they're going along the road, uh, Michonne and David start talking about his wife, Betsy, back in Alexandria. So we're getting a little bit of backstory on Mr. David here. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how Aaron found him out in the, out in the wilderness, I guess. He said he was alone. He had given up being a person. And on the way back to Alexandria, they found Betsy and she was his first apocalypse friend who, after a while, became more than a friend. Oh, that's nice. It is kind of nice. And he tells Michonne that really all he wants to do is get back t- so he can say goodbye, which is rather touching. Um, but Annie suggests that they stop so they can treat Scott. And Glenn, at this point, agrees and says, we'll find a place to like bandage him up. Good. Uh, so they keep going, and they come to a town some sort of town anyways, obviously deserted and cars all over the place. And the healthy group, speaking of cars, the healthy people in the group go to check the cars to see if any of them will run. Um, and Glennon is talking to Michonne and he says he needs to get home, but says, uh, but she says they can stop for a few minutes because they're half an hour ahead of the herd to patch everybody up. Yeah, they can spare a few minutes to... To get their shit together. Right. And it kind of makes sense. If they dart that far ahead, they don't want to take too long. But, you know, if it means wrapping a bandage on a leg or something so people are a little bit more mobile, it's probably yeah. a good idea. Um, we get Heath and Nicholas talking about how Nick was on a run out in this town at some point and they lost a lot of people. And uh, Nicholas is obviously a little, you know, upset about this. And with everything he's been through, he's not handling things all that well. Um, but Heath tells Nick that, you know, he was the last person here in this part of the, uh, state or this town. 
and that he can show them the way. So Nicholas is being put in a position of leadership here, which, you know, may or may not be the best <laughs> decision right now. I think he can. He will rise to the challenge. Well, I did too at the time. You know, I thought he would rise to the challenge and lead them on the way home. Uh, but, you know, that's not exactly how things go. Uh, as they're walking around, they find Sturgis's big hat and then his body down an alley being eaten by zombies. Yeah. So that's it for Sturgis. That is it for Sturgis. He ran off after shooting Scott and, uh, well, he got what was coming to him. Yeah. Um, and at this point, Nicholas has another uh, uh, moment of his. What'd you call it again? Shell shock. Uh, yes, that's right. Sorry. He's continuous, continuously shell shocked here. So he has another moment. Glenn again snaps him out of it and is like, come on, man, lead the way. Um, and at this point, you can see zombies coming, starting to come in from all directions too, which is not a good sign. But Nicholas leads them to a pet store to take cover. And inside the pet store, they find some animals that look like They've starved to death in their cages. Yeah, animals in cages that have since decomposed and there's just basically bones left. Yeah, it was kind of shocking, actually. I mean, I feel like they probably went for pet store just so they could have, you know, uh, long dead animals in cages. You think? Well, it doesn't hurt. I don't know if that's why they went for pet store, but as soon as somebody thought of pet stores, like, well, pet stores have animals, and if people abandon pet store, they abandon animals, and they got to die, and they don't get buried. Oh, it's so sad, though. I was I was sad when I saw those animals in the cages. It's pretty sad. It is. I can watch people get killed, you know, eaten, torn apart, but then I see a cat dead in a cage. I'm like, oh, poor kitty. Well, it's not a real cat. I'm sure they didn't kill well, real cats and leave them out you. in the yard for a month and then put them in the cage. Uh, yeah, you know, I was confused about that, but I'm glad you cleared <laughs> it up for me. <laughs> yeah, just like they don't, they're not using real zombies. Like no actual zombies were harmed in the making of this television show. Well, that's good because you wouldn't want to harm zombies. They no. they organize and they'll protest your your damn show. Well, they, they'd have their advocates, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure they would. So Michonne and Heath are chatting in the pet store, talking about leading the zombies away because they can't take them on in their current condition. And Heath is rather pessimistic about their chances of getting out of this. Yeah. He does, he, I don't think he likes their odds very much. Well, neither do I, really. They're well, getting chased by a herd to an unknown situation and uh, slowly getting surrounded, and they're stuck in a pet store with a bunch of zombified cats. Or mummified cats, maybe. Either one. Either one, yeah. Um, so Glenn jumps in and he suggests that they burn a building in the town to draw the walkers toward it and maybe they'll get distracted by the fire and stop there. You'd be surprised at how many problems can be solved by burning a building down. Well, especially in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. And also bed bugs. <laughs> <laughs> bed bugs. The bed bug apocalypse. <laughs> well, yeah, the bed bug, but bug apocalypse would be bad, but... If you have them, one way to get rid of them is burn your house down. Not Move that into I'm, the mall. Not that I'm suggesting that. Oh, well, you take them with you if you do that. No, you go naked. Oh, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> you burn your house down, move into the mall, naked. And then you'll move into jail, well, where there will be no bed bugs. Hopefully. And you'll be fine. Um, 
so he yeah glenn suggests they burn a building he says he'll do it even though michonne offers to do it but he tells her that she's the one that can get everybody else back safely and he says we all have a job to do like you know like they've always said um now nicholas suggests that they burn a feed store nearby because it'll go up easy lots of dry stuff in there i guess i think any building that's made out of wood will go up easy Probably, but if it's full of like, like, what does he mean by feed? Probably like animal hay? feed, hay, stuff like that. I don't know. Well, hay burns, right? Like crazy. Hay, hay burns like crazy. Uh, like grains. Yeah, maybe grains. I don't know. I mean, it seems to make sense that this would be a building that would burn pretty well, but um, Glenn agrees with him and then Nick is going to lead the way again. So Nick mm-hmm. is still leading people around. Um. But before they leave, Glenn takes a moment to uh, look at Herschel's pocket watch, which we see he still has in his pocket. That's nice. And then he gets on the radio to Rick and kind of updates him with their position and the plan. Right. Uh, And while he's doing that, we see Rick running down the road and killing some zombies, but he breaks his knife on the first zombie and it looked like one of the zombies had a big knife sticking out of its chest. Yeah, it was a huge knife. Yeah, and as Rick goes for that zombie with his hand, he slices his hand pretty bad, which is not good because it looked like it was bleeding, you know, pretty pretty well, and he was in trouble. Yeah. Um, and then before leaving, once again, Rick loots the bodies. Yes, of course. He does a lot of body looting in this episode. Yeah, it's very much a uh, a role-playing video game. Yeah. So we go to a commercial break, and when we come back, we've got Heath and Michonne in the pet store patching up Annie and Scott, so doing what they sort of planned to do all along. And then Hanny suggests that they leave them there, but Heath and Michonne say no way, of course. Yeah. Um, and then Heath makes a crack at Michonne that we don't leave people behind, sort of implying that she does. Um, this whole bit for me... I I hate to say it, but I felt was a little cliche. Like how often, or can we go through, you know, any kind of horror movie, TV show, thriller, whatever, where someone's injured and they don't say, go ahead, leave me behind. Like, can we please stop doing that? Because it happens all the time. Yeah, but I mean, cliches are cliches for a reason, right? So maybe it happens in real life. But is that a product of popular culture or is popular culture a product of what happens in real life? Well, I'm happy to say that I don't really know what happens in real life in situations like this. Um, So I don't know. You've never been sick in the morning and your whole family is ready to go to the zoo or something and you've, (laughs) you've not said, you know what, I'm not feeling well. Why don't you just go on without me? You know, that's a little different. Uh, that probably sure? that probably has happened. I'm not so sure. The difference is the life and death nature of the decisions. Oh, you, you okay? So they're not leaving you behind to die. No, Annie. But in, really, in, what's going on here is Annie and Scott are saying, "You guys save yourself and leave us behind." And you know, if this all works out, then you can come back and get us later. But really, we know that's not going to happen. And this happens over and over again in, you know, you know, everybody knows. You everyone's yeah. seen this a million times, right? And I just feel like it's a little bit lazy on the part of the writing. Like, let's just skip this scene or maybe do something else. I'm sure they could have come up with a different conversation for them to have had in this moment. 
Don't you think? Yeah, it's a it's a it's cliche, and I and I would agree with you. I didn't think so at the time, but now that you bring it up, I think uh, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, and you know what? It actually continues into the next scene, in my opinion. So Heath and Michonne are now in a different part of the store, and she goes up to him, and basically they have the so what's your problem with me conversation, where she even says that, "Do you have a problem with me?" And uh, they have that kind of. It's another kind of cliche conversation that you see in movies and shows all the time, you know? One character seems to be antagonistic towards another one, and they have to have the whole what's-your-deal conversation. And so these two scenes right back-to-back, I was like, oh, guys, come on. This could have been done better than this. I didn't love it. Yeah. Um, And then one more thing about this conversation before we move on is that uh, Denai Guerrera is fantastic, Almost all the time, but the way she delivered the line, and maybe it was the line and not so much her delivery, but when she said, have you ever been covered in so much blood you don't know if it's yours, walkers, or your friends? I was just like, cheese, <laughs> so cheesy. It did uh, It did remind me of a little bit of who's scruffy looking from uh, Empire Strikes Back, just a little bit. Yeah, for some reason that doesn't bother me, that line, though. <laughs> Really? It's a bad line. <laughs> it may be, but you know what? Maybe because I I look back on it to my eight-year-old self uh, and, and at the time thought it was amazing, and I can't separate the two. I don't know. All right. So you, what you have to do is you have to go back to this episode in another 10 years, watch it another 60, 70 times. Or 30 years, yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, and then see how, how you like the line. I will have to do that, and I'll get back to you because we'll probably still be recording episodes of this podcast at that time. All right, so 30 years, that's 2015, 25, 35, 45. That's perfect. 2045. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, anyways, this whole bit in the in the pet store didn't really do it for me, but we can move on. We've got uh, Nick and Glenn now outside. They find a zombie under a car. And Nick realizes that this is one of the, his friends from the run he was doing in this town. The guy's name was Will, he says, and he was only 19. And oh. he says they abandoned him. Yeah. And now here he is. And now here he is. Um, but Glenn does sort of the friendly thing here, and he convinces Nicholas that you're not that guy anymore. You know? I mean, I know you you didn't know what you were doing. You abandoned people in the town. You tried to kill me. But you're not that guy anymore, so you're okay. Right. And you know what? When I say it like that, I kind of think to myself, this is another sort of cliched moment, but I have to admit, it in the moment, this one didn't bother me like the last two. Right. I'm not sure why, but it's just the way it is. Um, so Nicholas says he has to be the one to go and kill this zombie, and then he goes over to him, crouches down, takes his sweet-ass time, if you ask me. Oh, it's his friend. And his eye is missing, and that's got to be cool to look at. <laughs> cool to look at. Hey, look oh, at Oh, my friend's eye is gone. It's, it's totally just an eye socket. That's cool. Eventually, though, he stabs him in the head, and they start hearing gunshots then coming from Alexandria. Yep. So that fight is ongoing. Uh, back in the pet store, they hear the shots from the town as well, and they start seeing zombies pass the windows going toward the gunfire. So things are not working out very well for anybody no. here. Uh, we cut over to Rick running on the road again. He's bleeding badly, and he gets back to the wall with the RV, and of course there's a massive pile of zombie bodies like writhing around in front of the wall. And he gets in the RV and drives away. 
So those bodies are all from the ones that just smacked into the wall and splattered their heads. Yeah, they are. Or or ones that tripped over ones that had fallen down and just created a pile. I've fallen and I can't get up. That's right. I've fallen and I'm on a pile of other bodies and I don't know what to do. You think zombies would have activate, activated their medical medical alert if they had fallen? Uh, no, I don't think so. Well, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Rick drives away. Cut back to the pet store, and David is writing a note to his wife, which he tries to give to Michonne. She picks it up, and the note says, Betsy, my love, if you are reading this, it's because I didn't make it. Which is kind of funny, because that's it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I love you. I'm glad I met you. Uh, all kinds of stuff that you could write, but just like, uh, Betsy, I, I died. Pretty much. He's like, here's if you're a, reading it. I know here's, he, a, here's a note commemorating that fact. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know he's he probably doesn't have a lot of time. He's in pain. He might not be able to write so well, but that's it. He writes, if you're reading this, it's because I didn't make it back. It's too bad. So sad. And he had that whole role. Like there was a, a big, huge <laughs> receipt role that he could have written on. Yeah. And he just writ, wrote on like a little tiny section of maybe he was going to write more later. Yeah. Maybe it was like a diary that he was going to write for the next, uh, you know, every 15 minutes he was going to write a little bit more. Stop and write a, an extra bit on the note. I did think that maybe we just had, couldn't see all the note at first, but it sure seemed like that was it. Yeah. Which is weird. Um, but Michonne, trying to be quiet, takes the pen and writes on her arm, you're getting home. Right. And he gives, or she gives him back the note because he's not going to need it, according to uh, Michonne. Now, at this point, something starts making noise in the back of the shop. For some reason. So they've been in here all this time. Well, the, uh, they were, the, the zombies in the back were attracted to the noise out front, I think. And not the noise of them. I mean, even though they were trying to be quiet, from inside the store, you can still hear rustling and sitting down and talking. And right. Uh, but I, you know, it wouldn't, they needed those zombies to take their time to make themselves known. Yeah. I think not to be, you know, too pessimistic, but they needed their, take their time. Otherwise we wouldn't have had all that time for the other stuff that was happening in the pet store. Uh, so they go to the back, Michonne opens the storeroom door and she finds the two walkers in there. Michonne takes them out, but the zombies outside now heard the noises coming from inside and they start crowding the front door. Again, things just getting worse and worse. And Michonne looks out the window, and she can see the herd coming, like the big-ass full-on herd. So they are there now. Yeah, because somebody said they'll be here any minute, and then all of a sudden they're there right now. Yeah, well, that's okay. I mean, they only meant to take a couple of minutes in this town, but they've ended up being stuck here, right? Yeah. Um, so the Michonne, the Michonne, the herd has caught up with Michonne and the gang. With the Michonne. That's right. After a commercial break... We come back, and it's kind of a cool uh, scene here where they bust open the pet shop doors, and Michonne clears a path through the zombies that are there. Everybody runs out and down the street, but as they're running away, poor Annie falls and is eaten after telling the rest of them to run. Don't doors nor- normally open out? Like those those doors that uh, in the shop, there were double doors, and they opened into the pet shop. I'm just wondering, don't doors usually open out of buildings? Well, I used to think that because I thought it was a fire regulation thing where if you're in a building that's on fire and you want to get out, you should be able to just run through the door and push. You shouldn't have to stop 
pull it towards you and then run through, right? Yeah. But I feel like everywhere I go, there's no rhyme or reason to which way doors open. So I don't know if it's if it's a bylaw or fire regulation or if that's just something I heard somewhere and believed at the time, but these doors opened in, right? Yeah, they did. I mean, maybe for dramatic license, it looked cooler with the doors opening in. Well, it would. It definitely is a, a much cooler shot. The doors just swing open and then they blast away to get yeah. rid of the, uh, the wall of zombies. Yeah, it's, it is a cooler shot. I don't know, though. Um, if it's a thing, maybe it's different, like, all over the world, like, different across Canada, across the States. I got no idea. Um, anyways, the main thing is Annie falls, and after killing a few zombies, but not shooting herself in the head, uh, which a lot of people said, you know, if that was me, you give the last bullet to yourself. Yeah, but save the last bullet for yourself. Yeah, she doesn't do that. The walkers get on her, and uh, she's done. This is the scene we saw from the Comic-Con trailer that everyone thought was Maggie getting eaten. Yeah. Yep. But it was not Maggie. It was Annie. So Apparently. close. Um, we cut over to Glenn and Nick, and they've gotten to the feed store, which, uh-oh, has already burned down. <laughs> Shucks. It was such a good burned-down target that it had already burned down. That's right. Someone either already did it or it just accidentally burned down. And they now have walkers coming in from all sides which is getting, uh, you know, bad for them. And Nicholas looks around, but then leads them, or leads Glenn away, continuing to lead the way. Back over with Michonne, and we've got them up against a locked fence, which they have to climb over. So Heath gets over quickly, then Scott, um, even though he's got a bullet in his leg. And then we've got Michonne and David who are climbing up, and they're partway up, but they're getting grabbed by the walkers who are now like right at the fence, right behind them. So that doesn't look good, which I know I keep saying, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot in this episode that really didn't look good at the time. Yeah. Um, back with Nick and Glenn, they come to a similar locked fence, and but in their case, there are zombies on the other side, uh, even and there are zombies coming up behind them. So they are doubly screwed. Now they start they turn around and they start shooting, but are quickly overwhelmed, or at least it looks like they're quickly overwhelmed. Yeah, you've only got so many bullets. That's right. Not nearly enough to shoot all those zombies. And don't forget to save the last one for yourself. Always do that. Um, back to Michonne. We've got uh Heath, who's shooting through the fence now, trying to clear some zombies so that uh Michonne and David can get up. Sadly, David gets pulled down and is eaten against the fence. You know, stab the poor bastard in the head. Don't just leave him there for crying out loud. Well, that's the thing. Michonne makes it over, and then they just stand there and watch as poor David is devoured on the other side, and we get to see the note to his wife fall to the ground and get stepped on. But you're right. They just stand there. They could have just shot the poor guy, put him out of his misery. His face was right up against the fence. Yeah. The zombies were not coming over the fence. She had a katana on her back. Pull it out, stab him in the head a little bit, and then go. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it seems like the humane thing to do. Even with Annie, though, they didn't turn around and shoot Annie. They could have shot she Annie. She would see, the, well, there was there was a lot of danger there with all the, the, the zombies crowding around her and then some coming over, and it, she was harder to get to. This guy was right up against the fence with his head right there in prime location for a little stabby stabby. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and I don't know why they wouldn't, you know 
I don't know why they wouldn't do that for poor David because he just he was just getting torn apart against the fence there. Um, <clears throat> so we go back to Nick and Glenn, who have now climbed up onto the dumpster, but are surrounded by zombies as far as they can see, pretty much. Behind them, there's the fence. Zombies on that side of the fence. In front of them and all around the, z- the dumpster are zombies. They have nowhere to go. And they start sort of kicking at them because what else can you do? And then Nick goes into one of his trances again. <laughs> right. <laughs> his uh, his trance. And we get some slow-mo. Glenn is, of course, trying to snap him out of it. But Nicholas has pretty much totally lost it at this point. And I'd like to just commend um, the actor who plays Nicholas, who I can't remember right now, but I have never seen a more sort of blank slash dead look on a guy's face than he delivered in this scene. Yeah, it was uh, it was very well done. It was amazing. Like when there was close up shots just of his face. It looked like he was completely empty and hollow. Like there was just nothing left of the poor guy. So he did an amazing job portraying that, in my opinion. Um, But what happens next is that Nicholas says to Glenn, thank you, the title of the episode, puts his gun to his head. We cut to Glenn's face, which is then splattered with blood when Nicholas pulls the trigger, and they both fall to the ground off the dumpster amongst the zombies, and we see the zombies tearing into Glenn and eating him. So... Before the commercial break, we get one more sort of overhead shot of the zombies like they they love to do on this show. And we can just see that, you know, Glenn and Nicholas are on the ground, totally crowded in the alley. And Glenn is basically barely visible at the bottom of this pile. And they're all just reaching in and grabbing. And we go to commercial. So it sure seems like Glenn was just killed by zombies. Sure seems that way. It sure does. We cut, or we come. We're back. gonna come back to this point at a later time and talk about it a little more in depth, right? Yes, we or, are. Okay. Good. Yes, we are. Absolutely. Uh, well, well, I want to finish the recap first. We come back from commercial, and we are with Michonne, Scott, and Heath, the only people left in that group, uh, and they are in the forest. Scott falls down, but they pick him up. They come to a river and they cross through it. Michonne looks back for some smoke from a burning building but she doesn't see any. And uh, that seems to, you know, that sort of gives her a bad feeling, I, th- I would think. And she remarks then that if the herd is still coming, this creek should slow them down, which will help them get, you know, more of a lead on them. And uh, as she goes into the water, she wipes the message that off her arm that she wrote for David. Right. That's so yeah, She doesn't need that anymore. No, she really, really doesn't. Um... We cut over to Rick. He's driving the RV. Of course, he pulls over and he tries to radio Glenn. But of course, we know there will be no response from Glenn. He tries Tobin again. No response from Tobin. And then he gets Daryl on the radio, who's driving around, but of course is now off on his own, um, uh, looking to be sort of where Rick is leading the zombies back, or so he thinks anyways. Um, Rick starts hearing the gunfire from Alexandria, says they have to keep leading the zombies away from them, and he says going back now before they deal with the zombies would be the wrong move. And that's sort of what we talked about earlier. They have to finish their job, finish the mission they came out there to do. Yeah. 
Um, so Rick is in the RV and he's suddenly attacked by a couple of wolves who bust in the door. Yeah. And Daryl hears it on the radio because Rick had the radio engaged, which is interesting, I thought. Um, they fight, and of course Rick manages to fight them off and kill both of them. And then, <laughs> continuing the trend of this episode, Rick loots the bodies, <laughs> and he. F- but weirdly, he finds a jar of baby food in one of their pockets. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think there was any more to this baby food than it was just sort of a plot device to remind Rick that he's a father, that he has a baby and a family back at Alexandria? Or maybe it was uh, a jar of baby food that he recognized from his own house. Yeah, that is that is a very interesting point. Like, you know, I mean, in a pinch, a grown-up can eat baby food, and it still gives you all the, the nutrients and so You've on, You've eaten of course. Ba- baby food, right? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Anyone who has kids has eaten baby food. Right. Uh, you know, not like as a whole meal, but you taste it now and then. Yeah, I've ha- I have cats. I, I eat cat food. That makes perfect sense to cat me. Cat food casserole, it's good stuff. Mm, delicious. Um, so I wasn't sure if this was just, uh, you know, the this is just a bit here for to remind Rick of of who he is and what he's doing and what he's going back to or trying to save, or if you're right, or if this was like, now he knows. Oh my God, these people were at Alexandria. I don't know what's back there for me either. Right, right. They these people could have killed Judith and Carl and everyone and uh, stolen the baby food. Man. Um, Yeah. So at this moment, though, he sees more people approaching along the side of the RV in the rearview mirror. Yeah. So he grabs an assault rifle that either he had or one of the wolves had. Oh, he had it. It was his. It was his. Okay. So he grabs it and he just shoots blindly through the wall of the RV at them, which is uh, pretty crazy. He just goes nuts and he doesn't care who's out there. He's just going to take them out. And this is why you don't bunch up. Like uh, yes. the three of them were like all in a little tiny huddle uh, moving along the side of the RV so Rick could shoot them all without having to walk that uh, assault rifle very far in any way, shape, or form. So uh, if you're, if you know, just for future advice, Chris, if you're uh, working on an assault on an RV, spread out. Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's good advice for sure. You don't want to lose your whole team all at once because there's one guy in a in an RV with an assault rifle and you're all in a, in a clump. Right. Um, but you know what? The wolves are not exactly geniuses that as we've seen. No. So I'm not too surprised about this. Um, what I was surprised about though, was that these wolves had guns. One of them did. Well, at least the first one that broke in, you're right, had a gun. So again, clarify for me, was this the, was this the wolf that Morgan let go? Is that why he had the gun? Well, I was going to ask you the same question. <laughs> I did. I do not know if these were the same. There were five of them that uh, Morgan let go, uh-huh. and there were five of them here. So I'm inclined to think that they were the same five, but I'm not entirely sure. All right. So we didn't get a very good look at the three that were outside, but we could get a good look at the two that came in. So I think maybe we're going to have to do that, or... A listener, I'm sure, will will clarify for us, but I think maybe that was the idea here. Morgan let them go with the gun, and the timing was just wrong, <laughs> I guess, depending on your uh, perspective for, for this. Rick got to that point, the wolves happened to be going the other way, and they're like, hey, an RV, we could really use that, so they tried to take it from him. Yeah. Um, so 
anyways, after the Rick scene, we cut back to Michonne, Scott, and Heath, and they're arriving back at Alexandria. And we really just see them, you know, approaching with the burned out church and stuff like that. Um, we cut over to see Daryl, who is now rejoining Abe and Sasha in the car leading the zombies. So he's had a change of heart. He's gone back. Um, and the camera pans up and man, oh man, there still is a crap ton of those zombies following them. Yeah. Like that herd must have just been massive for like a big chunk to, to, um, separate off and still have that many following them. That is a lot of zombies. It is. Finally, back with Rick, he tries to start the RV, but it's dead. So this stupid thing will not start. And of course, as we know, he's at a point where the walkers are supposed to be coming through and he wants to start that RV and lead them away. But if it won't start, his whole plan is, you know, up the creek. No, but there's balloons tied to the RV. So that those at least will help a little bit. Because the zombies will all go, oh, balloons. Yeah. And but then he's, crowd around. But he, yes, but he doesn't want that. He wants to be able to lead them away. If they all crowd around, he's going to have 10,000 zombies crowding around an RV that he's stuck in. Yeah, and he doesn't have anywhere near enough balloons for that many people. No, if he's going to hand out balloons to every party goer, every yeah, parade member, that, yeah, it's he, not going to work. Know, that's Yeah, that's just a bad situation. Camera pans up, and we see the zombies starting to come out of the woods, and uh, it doesn't take very long. I mean, we cut to black here. This is the end. But as the aerial shot moves up, it doesn't seem to take very long for him to be starting to get surrounded, it looks like. so. Yeah. The RV has a door on the driver's side, so I'm not worried about Rick getting out because they're all coming along the side where the door, where the uh, uh, the wolves came in, the side door. Yep. But the, uh, the driver does have a door. Um, that they can use to get in and out of the RV. So Rick, I'm not worried about Rick per se, um, but it is unfortunate that he can't execute his plan. Yes, the plan was, I mean, really maybe it was the only option he had, but it was potentially a good plan if he was, if he would be able to get those zombies to follow him. But um, I still don't think he's in exactly a great situation here. He's going to need to get out of that thing and run. Yeah, Fast. there's a building right next to him too, right? So he's going to get out of the out of the RV. He's going to run to the building. He'll be fine. Everything's going to be hunky dory. Probably he's, find more wolves holding up in the building, and then be in a worse situation. He'll light the building on fire, and that'll attract them all. And uh, uh, that's that's the plan. I think that's the plan from here on in. Okay. Well, we'll find out uh, the next time we see these characters, which isn't going to be next week. But um, that's it. That is the episode. This was a heavy-duty, intense episode. It really was. You know, um, we've had three really, really, in my opinion, solid episodes to start season six. This one was probably one of the most intense of the whole show. Uh, I, you know, I it's so much, a lot happened. People died. A lot of people died. Almost everybody died. Almost. God, you, you can't say that very often, right? All the white people died. Oh, well, there you go. So they're making up for uh, lost time, I guess. Yeah, it was all, I, I think I think all the white people died, except for Rick. Except for Rick, yeah. Um, but I'm telling you, we will talk about the Glenn situation in a minute, but I must admit, before I had a chance to think about it, and they fall off, and Glenn starts getting torn apart, I almost couldn't believe my eyes. I was pretty surprised, and uh, that uh, that they were apparently killing off Glenn. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I I was a little bit shocked too. I'm like, holy crap, they did that. 
yeah, I, I just said to myself, I can't believe what's going on. Sitting there with my wife watching it, and she's doing the same thing, only using much more colorful language because she loves Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> and she likes to swear. She does like to swear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. Um, glad she doesn't listen because I'm sure she'd be really happy that we're saying <laughs> that on the, on the air about her. Anyways, uh, yeah, but both of us were like, my God, I cannot believe what I'm seeing here. Like it was so to left field. I had, I, I know there were spoilers out there for this episode as in it was a big episode, something, you know, crazy happens, but I had no idea what it was. And I'll be honest, it never occurred to me that it was going to be this. Um, one of the predictions I made in walking death pool, uh, in the death, in the death pool that you can visit at walkingdeathpool.com, yeah, is that Glenn would die this season but I predicted it for the back half of the second half of the season, like maybe the last two or three episodes. Yeah. And here we are in episode three, which is like the opposite of what I predicted. And Glenn falls off a dumpster and apparently gets torn apart by zombies. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man. I thought this episode was amazing other than the sort of cheesy bits in the middle with Michonne and Heath. But I, by the time I saw Glenn fall off that dumpster, I had completely forgotten about all that because <laughs> it seemed like it was far in the past at that point so um pretty solid episode in my opinion and season six so far is shaping up to be really fantastic yeah no this was uh i i thought it was a a, a solid episode lots of action lots of drama uh i thought it was great and it set up so much trouble for people like we've got yeah michonne and them made it back it looks like a lot of people died we've got uh rick in trouble you know uh we've got a lot to pay off still here yeah um and even even michonne getting back safely like that's that's kind of an unknown too because they're gonna walk in and they have to find out what just happened in alexandria and then tell alexandria everyone there that um plan didn't go so well and the zombies are on their way here instead of the opposite direction right so there's a lot of shit that has been set up here that is going to uh hopefully get paid off in a really satisfying way i would i would hope so so this was this was amazing um okay we will take a short break when we come back We're going to do Holy Crap, Did You See That? So stay with us. Thanks for listening to the Talking Dead podcast, everybody. If you'd like to help us with the cost of putting on this here show, it would be great 
if you used our Amazon links when you did all of your shopping at Amazon.com or, in fact, uh, other Amazon stores around the world, too, please visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon and click on the country of your choice to be taken directly to the Amazon store before you do any of your shopping. And uh, when you do, a little small cut of the amount of your purchase will come right back to us and out of Amazon's pockets. I mean, their pockets are deep enough. I think they can afford to uh, fire a little our way, don't you? Um, It'll make us very happy, and of course, we have no idea what you purchased, and it doesn't cost you an extra penny. So really, it's a win-win situation for everyone. That's TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon before you do all of your holiday shopping at Amazon.com or one of the other country stores. We thank everyone so much for all your support. Holy crap. Did you see that? Alrighty, so it's time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? And I don't know about you, Jason, but um, pretty much everybody uh, sent in the same thing this week. And if you had to take a guess at to what that was, you'd probably say it was... The balloons on the RV. Yeah, it's all about the balloons uh, on the RV. That's absolutely correct. Everyone said, "Did you see those balloons?" I mean, Rick is his plan will work for sure because of those balloons. Yeah, because it's a happy time party bus. <laughs> Rick and the happy time party bus. There's a show I'd watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, it was Glenn dying. Oh, uh, right. I don't know if you remember that happening. Um, so, since we got. So many emails from people about that. What I'm going to do here is read a few that actually uh, were not about Glenn, and then we'll get into a deeper discussion on the whole Glenn situation. So first of all, I'm going to read one from here from Elizabeth, who is a fellow Ontarian. And Elizabeth says, holy crap, did you see how despondent Rick looked in the final scene as he recognized that his arrogance has put everyone in danger as more and more people didn't answer the call on the walkie-talkie. Perhaps he should have considered some alternative ideas for dealing with the herd of walkers as the Alexandrians suggested. This season is making me more and more uncomfortable. Yeah, he did look very despondent. That was, uh, that was a really good shot. It, it really was. And we've seen shots like that uh, with Rick before and Andrew Lincoln just doing a, a masterful job in portraying so much with, a, with an expression. Um, he did it again here, and the last one I can think of is when they they showed up at the gate of Alexandria, and if you remember, he can hear like kids playing and people talking on the other yeah. side of the wall, and we just see his close-up shot of his face with this profound sense of of almost like relief and understanding that this might actually be a place that he can be safe. But he pulled it off again here, but it's kind of the opposite because he's realizing that, oh my God, what have I done? Like... No one's responding on the radio. This plan has backfired. There's a horn. You know, there was a horn going off. Maybe this is all my fault. (laughs) So Andrew Lincoln, you know, deserves awards. Yeah, for sure. Um, Next, Lisa in Houston, Texas writes, Holy crap, did you see that cat puppy 
or cat slash puppy slash gerbil skeleton in the pet store. It was an ugly reminder that my two precious kitties are probably toast if Houston is ever hit with a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, my cats are the same way. They're not really outdoor cats. They're indoor cats. Uh, if they, if I let them outside, they would probably die pretty quick. They try to get out once in a while, though, don't they? Oh, they love it outside, but the first thing they do is they go and start eating whatever they can find. <laughs> and this just, it, they, yeah, they will not survive. They're not smart enough. I don't understand, though. They they go out, but but you don't let them. So occasionally they, like, escape? No, sometimes we let them out just to go stand in the grass on a nice hot sunny day when they'd like to be outside. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they don't have the skills to survive. Got it. Well, my one cat caught a, uh, uh, a chipmunk one time and all it did was look at me like, I caught the best toy ever. What do I do now? It's supposed to kill it and eat it. Yeah. She doesn't know that. Oh, okay. That's the problem. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> She doesn't think it's food. She thinks it's a toy because uh, I think uh, we uh, they were taken away from their mother a little too soon and their mother didn't teach them how to kill animals. Right. Well, you know, I mean, your cats are unprepared for the zombie apocalypse just like you. Just like me. My mom never taught me how to kill animals. See? So I'm unprepared too. Well, like father, like cat. I'd wander through the wilderness looking for peanut butter. <laughs> Where's the steaks? <laughs> Where's the yeah? Uh, where can I find a steak? I need a I need a I need a keg steakhouse around here somewhere. What's going on? Uh, be, that's a good idea actually. Um. All right. Next, Ted on the internet writes: the wolves that oh see the wolves that Morgan let go attacked Rick with guns. I thought wolves didn't use guns. Confused. So according to Ted, those in fact were the wolves. Okay. Good. Thanks, Ted. So thank you, Ted. We are are good. Okay, so everybody else basically wrote in, like, holy crap, Glenn is dead. How could they do that to us, et cetera, et cetera. Or, you know, holy crap, Glenn is totally not dead, and here's why. Yeah. So there is definitely some controversy over this, uh, this whole whether Glenn is dead or not scene, Jason. And we're going to spend the rest of this segment of the show talking about this and kind of breaking it down. So, All right, so the next seven or eight hours will be dedicated in- exclusively to uh, this frame by frame. Pretty much. Now, there is, I'll start by saying there's mounting evidence that Glenn is alive and well. <laughs> well I don't know about well. Well, we'll, we'll see. I do have um, four, you know, emails here from listeners that each kind of outline uh, a different point on as to why Glenn is likely still alive. But before I read those, do you have anything you want to chime in with or add just regarding what happened to Glenn? I'm falling onto the Glenn is not dead. Uh, he is alive and underneath a pile of gore and mm-hmm. or crawled underneath the dumpster. All right. That is generally what people tend to think. So we'll go through these here. Jenna in Kentucky, USA writes, holy effing crap, did you see that? Did you see Nicholas screw Glenn royally? Okay, so the hopeful part of me thinks that as they fell, Nicholas landed on top and the zombies are ripping Nicholas apart on top of Glenn. I'd scream too. And that Glenn somehow survives. Thus, Glenn forgave slash saved Nick and Nick saves Glenn, albeit accidentally. So here's the first point. Everyone's pointed out that as they fell off that dumpster, Nicholas fell on top of Glenn. 
so that when the zombies get to them, the first thing they're going to do is rip apart the guy on top, and that's going to be Nicholas. Right. It's like a cake. You eat from the top down. Well, if you're, you know, trying to use your hands and mouth to eat as much of the cake as you can, uh, like a dog would if it got on the table, you eat from the top down. You don't go underneath and eat up. You don't cut it nicely into uh, eight individual dog-sized pieces and then hand them (laughs) out to your dog friends. You just kind of dive right in and start mawing on the top of the cake. So it's like a dog eating a cake. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Zombies eating a pile of bodies is like a dog eating a cake. All right. right. I can get on board with that. So point number one, is that Nicholas fell on top of Glenn, therefore Glenn is protected by Nicholas's body. Right. Tiege from Wisconsin writes, I had a bad feeling about Glenn when he called Rick dumbass. The very first thing he said to Rick, way back in uh, season one, episode one, if you recall. I'm not convinced he's dead, though. The guts the walkers were pulling out were too high on Glenn to be coming out of his body. He might have gotten under that dumpster. So Tiege's point is, is that it sure looked like there were a lot of intestines and kind of lower torso body parts that were being pulled out, yet we were seeing it right up around Glenn's chest and neck. That's correct. So that was uh, when I went back and rewatched that part of the episode. Uh, Yeah, I thought, hey, what are are Glenn's intestines doing in his chest? Because that's weird. It's definitely I mean, it's not completely unheard of. Because uh, people have had uh, weird things going on inside of their body cavities, like they're all of their organs reversed, like the heart on the wrong side and liver on the wrong side. Like that's that's a normal thing. But top-down reversal is kind of very, very unusual. Like your lungs are in your belly. <laughs> I don't think is that that's not even a thing. I don't no, it's think. not a thing. All the right. reversal, yes. Left to right reversal, yes. But top to bottom reversal doesn't I think happen. Glenn, Glenn would be unique. I would. I would think. Okay, so we can rule that out. Um, so Tej's point is valid that it was just it was too high up. Like we were seeing sausage coming out of him, where we should have been seeing hearts and lungs and ribs and stuff like that. That's right. Okay, so <laughs> why'd that go. make me hungry? Uh. <laughs> Good, good. I don't know. Good question. Well, there was ribs and uh, sausage. sausage, but you know, the hearts and lungs, hearts, not so much. But the other lungs. things, maybe 50% hungry. I might be hungry. Okay, you're not Because you sure. mentioned the keg steakhouse, and I thought that was a good idea, too. Oh, geez, yeah. I could go for a keg right now. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, Jenkins on the internet writes, Did you see that Nicholas falls on top of Glenn, and Glenn is slowly sliding under the dumpster while the zombies are eating Nicholas? So similar to Jenna's point, Uh, that uh, Nick fell on top. But Jenkins, I wanted to include this because he sent in a couple of screenshots from the overhead angle. Oh, yeah. And you can see Glenn's face. And then there's... Yes, you can on the overhead shot. And if you watch carefully, there is a distinct sliding of his face up towards the dumpster. Now, Jenkins seemed to indicate that as the scene ends, you can kind of see his legs sticking out from beyond the dumps, uh, under the dumpster, but I didn't see that at all. What what I can see is it's kind of dark, it's far away, and the zombie's arms keep uh, mashing in over the scene, so it, it obscures Glenn pretty cl- uh, pretty quickly. But it does seem like his face slides up, so as if he's like shimmying his way on his back under that dumpster. The other thing is you cannot see Nicholas's body at all so you know he's either been torn apart or it's just he's obscured by zombie arms that are flailing around right 
So another interesting point, I don't quite agree that um, that you can see Glenn's legs sticking out in the shot because I couldn't see anything. All I could see was the zombies obscuring everything, but you can definitely see at the beginning of the shot, Glenn's face kind of look like it moves up towards the dumpster. You look like you're watching it right now. What do you I'm see? Watching, I'm going to the tape and I'm, I can see the face and it looks like he's arching his back and his head is moving around and I want to see, I'm just kind of frame jumping forward here. I don't see it. I see him writhing around, but I don't see movement towards the dumpster well, per se. Well, I, I thought I saw a kind of subtle movement move towards the dumpster, but you you know, it very well could be just him rolling around on the ground, like because he's amongst a giant herd of zombies, but um, we'll have to see. I think it was at least, I think there is something there, or you can interpret something in that scene as him trying to get under that dumpster. Um, finally, I've got Joshua in Miami, Florida, USA, who writes, Holy crap, Chris and Jason, did you see how much AMC's Talking Dead avoided saying anything definitive about Glenn being dead? They even left him out of the final farewell segment of the show, which all but confirms his survival. If those guts the walkers were chowing down on did not actually belong to Nicholas and were actually and actually were Glenn's innards, then why would they go out of their way to make it so ambiguous on the AMC after show? They made it abundantly clear to me that this is not the end of Glenn, just Nicholas. So I didn't watch AMC's Talking Dead. I'm going to assume you did not either. I have never seen it. Well, you should. It, I watch it occasionally, but not usually anymore. Um, so this is what a ton of people wrote in to us about. Every, to- every episode of that show, they do a little sort of in memoriam section where they run through the people that died in that episode. Did they... Did they do that for all the white people that died in this episode? Well, I don't know who was included because I didn't see it. But the point is, Nicholas was included. Glenn was not. Okay, so he's not dead. He's totally not dead. So he kind of, it kind of really seems like he's not dead based on that. There's a couple of other things that people picked up on regarding Talking Dead, too. Um, That was the first one. And another listener wrote in and told me that Chris Hardwick, the host... He kept using phrases like appears to, as in Glenn appears to be dead or appears to be eaten by zombies. And even then, apparently, he he didn't really mention his death. Um, He kept using the word fate, like Glenn's fate, right? Right. So the episodes I've seen of the show, Chris Hardwick typically, more than once on there, has said... I don't know what's going to happen. I don't watch ahead. I watch the episodes at the same time you guys do, so I don't know what's going on. But I only half believe that, to be honest. I'm sure that there are times when he, you know, his privy to inside information or he does, in fact, see, you know, uh, episodes ahead of time. He visits the set sometimes to do interviews and stuff like that. So it's not like he has no clue what's going on like anybody else watching. Yeah, he's obviously been given directives. Like, there's there's no way he can say things like his fate or, uh, you know, skirt the issue unless he's been told, you need to skirt the issue. Yeah. Maybe he hasn't watched the episode. Maybe he isn't privy to information up ahead. But when he's watching the episode, he's got a producer beside him, uh, and he sees, he sees Glenn getting his guts apparently torn out. And it's like, holy crap, Glenn is dead. And the producer goes... 
that's not confirmed. You have to skirt that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then he moves on with his life. Yeah. And and I one of the things they do though, they wa- they actually watch the episode with the uh studio audience before they record this show. So he watches it and I he's claimed that he watches it, you know, with them for the first time and so on, but I just don't believe that because he, as the host of a show about an episode, you'd think that he would want to have a little bit of time to prepare. So he probably sees it the day before. Let's, you know, digests it a bit, comes up with some questions to talk to the panelists about, things like that. So, yeah, um, you're right. Even if he doesn't know what's coming up next week or the week after, per se, he might have been instructed to, you know, um, this yeah. is how we're handling this right now because we know this is about to happen. He has a, a little information fairy buzzing in his ear telling him what, to, you know, what he, he needs to know. Totally. Um, so going on here, though, about Talking Dead... Uh, Scott Gimple, the showrunner, he was not on the show, but he made a statement (laughs) as read by Hardwick on the show. And here's the statement. Scott Gimple says, Dear fans of The Walking Dead, this is a hard story to tell. And when we were planning to tell it, we knew our friends at Talking Dead would be talking to you about it. And knowing you'd all be talking and feeling and commiserating, I knew we should say something about it, lest our silence say something we didn't mean to say or not say. (laughs) So I'll say this. (laughs) That's clear. In some way, we will see Glenn, some version of Glenn or parts of Glenn again, either in flashback (laughs) or in the current story to help complete the story. <laughs> now, if if we wanted to be here all night, I'd read that again because it is terribly confusing, I'm sure. But I think the point I want to make about this is this was a this was a statement, an official statement from Scott Gimple read on a live after show for uh for The Walking Dead. Right. So, this was prepared ahead of time, even though it's obviously written by a monkey but it was pre- it was prepared <laughs> no that sounds very double speaky and that's uh it's very george orwellian 1984 it's just so crammed full of words that it doesn't actually say anything but the, but it says a lot yes and the point is he felt the need ahead of time to make this statement so he knew there was going to be some discussion or some speculation around what's going on here. So, you know, they planned ahead for this, which just makes me think even more that, well, okay, they're, 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 they're up to something here, you know? So. Well, at least, you know, from what I gleaned from that is that we're going to see parts of Glenn. Well, in that's, the future. that's what he said. We're going to see parts of Glenn. Parts of Glenn in a flashback. Or in the current story. <laughs> well, you see, I, I choose to think that we're going to see parts of Glenn in the flashback. Yeah. Well, we might. I don't know. Um, a couple of other points that uh, listeners made. Um, one, one person said, if he's dead, there's nobody around to let the group know, which is a first. Uh, they'll have to figure it out themselves. That's true. Which is interesting because, yeah, the, if, if he actually is dead, Maggie's not going to know, Michonne doesn't know, Rick doesn't know, nobody else is there to tell them. So they're going to... We're going to have a big section of episodes probably where they're out searching for Glenn, which I don't know if they would do. So I'd be surprised, you know, if he's actually dead. And then um, Michonne's speech earlier in the episode to Heath about not knowing if you were covered in your own blood, the Walker's blood, or your friend's blood kind of foreshadows this scene oh. in, in a little way, doesn't it? 
right? Does. He's he's on the ground. His friend or Nicholas is on top of him, and you don't know where all that blood is coming from. Whose bowel is this? Is yeah. this mine? <laughs> if I squeeze it, does it hurt? No. <laughs> I just can't tell if that's my kidney out on the sidewalk or if it's his. Yeah. Who's, whose is that? <laughs> So I thought that was a really interesting point, too, that even though I thought Michonne's speech was cheesy, it could have been an effective way of foreshadowing this very scene with Glenn on the ground. Yes. Glenn's totally, totally, totally not dead. Yeah, that's the conclusion I'm coming to as well. Now, um, I've got one more point here that I think needs discussing, though, and that is that let's say... Glenn is, he survives this. Let's say he survives and he comes out the other side and, you know, he shook up a little, but he's not dead. Okay. What is that going to do for this show? And what I mean by that is, could this be a moment where something so profoundly dumb happens on this show that this is their, like, shark jumping moment? I mean, we, well, wait a sec. We have, we have a character who's on the ground surrounded by what looks to be hundreds of zombies with no way out, and they're eating a guy on top of him. You're telling me that he's going to somehow survive that. Yet, it's all indicators are that he does, and, you know, should we be worried about that? Uh, the first thing I thought of when I started thinking about this and I started realizing that he's probably alive, is there any way they can show him escaping this unscathed that will be believable? And that's that's my question. I sure hope so, because that's uh, when I first started thinking about this as well, and I'm glad you brought this up because I had forgotten that I wanted to bring this up myself, uh, is that if he's dead, it's not definitive. They didn't make it absolutely definitive. Like they kind of, they gave us a way out. Yeah. If he's not dead, this is kind of cheap to to play to make us think that he's dead it's just it's like oh uh she fell down a uh, an elevator shaft and uh we assume she's dead but oh luckily she got a brain transplant and has come back and uh, is in another body but is the same person mm-hmm. you know it's it's very um daytime drama which makes me kind of sad and you might be onto something here in that this might be the jump the shark moment. Are they going to be in five years? Are they going to point back to this episode and go right here? This is where the show became a little bit unbelievable. Right. And I mean, there are people that think it already is that way. I work with a guy who watched like season one and two and then quit because he said these characters make the dumbest freaking decisions in the world um, considering their situation. And I don't really agree with that. I mean, People are going to make bad decisions all the time. But when you put a character in a situation like this, which seems on the face of it to be completely impossible to get out of and get out of alive, and they're going to, and somehow it appears to be that they're going to do that, that, that seems like a bad move. Yeah. So all I'm saying is if Glenn's alive, they better blow me away with something that, you know, with with him being saved or getting out of that somehow. I'm not sure crawling and hiding under a dumpster is going to do it for me. Well, maybe underneath the dumpster is the entrance to an underground bunker 
that a secret society of uh, right. I'm not sure. Chud, cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. They're sort of like zombies, but not really. Right. You don't want to be hanging out with them either. Yeah, I do. (laughs) But I don't think you want to be hanging out with them either. (laughs) No, not really. But this could be, uh, that's the only thing I can think of is that underneath that dumpster where for some reason zombies can't reach you. I don't know why they wouldn't be able to reach you into there. But uh, maybe it's an an entrance to an underground cave system that's secured. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, they'd have to... I mean, if it's something ridiculous like that, which it, it won't be, I mean, that's a terrible idea, but if they, uh, <laughs> no offense or nothing, but uh, if if that's where they go with this or something like that, I'm not going to be satisfied. And and I know the writers have all kinds of great ideas. They are writers for a reason. They're better at this than I am for sure. But I just, I'm worried that they're not going to come up with a suitable explanation for how he survives. To be honest, here's what I think is going to happen. Do you want to hear okay. I do. Oh, boy, do I. I think that Glenn is going to shimmy his way under that dumpster, and he will have become so covered in blood and guts from Nicholas and maybe other parts of the zombies that he will be wearing the stench coat, and therefore the zombies will not realize he's there. They'll keep eating Nicholas until there's nothing left, and then they won't smell Glenn. They won't know he's there because he'll be lying there silently, and they'll just slowly... shuffle away and Glenn will be able to escape. Yeah. And you know, there's precedent for this kind of thing in the show because as we know, you can cover yourself in zombie gore and and seemingly walk amongst them unscathed and of course, uh Michonne's pets was the same concept. Um and but in this case, I don't know. I'm just not so sure I'm going to buy it like you know, is it really realistic to think that when, even if Nicholas is being eaten in this scene, Glenn doesn't, you know, a, a stray hand doesn't get him or a stray bite doesn't get him on the arm instead of Nicholas's arm or something? I'm going to think that's pretty far-fetched, I got to admit. Yeah. I think you uh, you hit the nail right between the eyes on this one. <laughs> Thanks. I think that he's going to end up in a stench coat where he doesn't know if it's his blood, a friend's blood, or zombie gore. Yep. And he's going to just kind of walk out, go, uh, you know, I better go with the flow. Yep. You know? Yeah, and... You gotta go along to get along. We'll see. We'll see if that plays well on screen, and I'll be on... And, and if I buy it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure it's gonna be enough for me. And one more thing. it It's some way, you know, hearkening back to the pilot episode once again, um, Glenn called Rick dumbass in this episode yep. and that one. And if you remember in that episode, Rick ends up underneath the tank with zombies all around reaching in for him. Now he's not wearing the stench coat, so the zombies definitely know he's there, but then he's saved at the last second by realizing there's a hatch in the bottom of the tank and he gets up inside the tank and that's where we first talk to Glenn. That's true. Well, (laughs) I don't know if this makes any sense at all, but what if there's a hatch in the bottom of that dumpster and Glenn can get (laughs) inside the dumpster instead of just hanging underneath it or hiding underneath it? Is there such thing as a bottom dumpster hatch? Well, of course there is. Yeah. I don't know why there would be maybe to drain out uh, liquid waste from inside the dumpster, but usually dumpsters get like tipped up and over the dump truck and banged around a little bit, a little bit to make make sure that they're empty. No, there's no reason there would be a hatch underneath the dumpster. There might be a hatch on the side because sometimes uh, dumpsters can be side-loading. Uh, mm, I don't know. Maybe. 
Yeah, uh, I think I've seen them mainly for cardboard. Like if it's a dumpster for for recycling products, you can throw oh, yeah. stuff in the side. So there might be a hatch on the side, but a hatch on the bottom, I don't know. That's why I'm thinking there's a bunker under there uh, with a uh, a superhuman set of uh, super soldiers. <laughs> you always go uh, <laughs> to the craziest idea. <laughs> that's not crazy. But that's fine. That's why you're here. That's why we love you. Having a, having a lich layer under there would be crazy. Oh, true. The lich. All right. Well, that's all I have to say about this. There is one more bit of information uh, about sort of a, that helps the theory that that thinks Ray, uh, Glenn is still alive, but it is really spoilery. So I want to talk about it briefly, but we're not going to do it now. What we're going to do is end the podcast and then talk about it after the end briefly. Okay. So sure. if you don't want to hear that, um, when you hear the closing music for this episode, just shut her down and, and move on with your day. But if you do want to hear about that, then uh, stick around a little bit after the end so we can talk briefly about that. Um, but one more thing before we go here. Uh, I've got an email from Lee in California, and I thought I would just end it on this. I'm going to assume for now that uh, Glenn is dead, and Lee had this to say. I just want to leave my holy crap, or rather OMFG moment for this episode. Of course, it has to be the death of Glenn. I had to stop the episode right at that moment, crying my eyes out and hugging my wife for a good five minutes for me to fully accept his death at the hands of the walkers. It saddens me that such a beloved character like Glenn went out in such a long and excruciating death. It's a constant reminder that beloved characters are not invincible in this world of the walking dead. I thought that was a poignant poignant email to end it on and touching. That's right. Uh, thank you, Lee, in California for that, but uh, Glenn's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, he's not dead. Yeah. For, just if I could ruin the moment there, I'll, I'll just say that. <laughs> That's nice of you to, you know, read that, uh, that touching email, very poignant touching email, and then ruin it. Yeah, it's the way I am. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Remember, we're going to have a little bit of spoiler discussion after the end music, so stick around for that if you want to. Otherwise, uh, we've gotten a ton of email. Our email count has gone way up, Jason, um, but I keep sending them in, everybody, if you want. We'll, of course, be back on Wednesday <clears throat> to do a feedback show for this episode. And uh, to contact us in the meantime, you can go to our website, TalkingDeadPodcast.com, click on the Send Voicemail button to record a message right into your computer, and that will be emailed to us. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheTalkingDead, or send all your email to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. Um, please don't forget to use our Amazon links to, when you do all your shopping at Amazon, talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon to do that. And you can visit us on Patreon if you want at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead where you can make a small pledge, again, to help us with the cost of putting on this podcast. We appreciate the support that everyone has provided over the days, months, and years, and uh, you're all very excellent people. <laughs> I would say so. Absolutely. I mean, look at how intelligent they must be just for listening to the podcast. Oh, yeah. God. I mean, they, they want to listen to a couple of boobs like us. Um, no comment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So until next time, everyone, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. 
All right, so we are back for a moment here at the end of the podcast to talk about one more thing regarding uh, Glenn's death. And this is kind of spoilery, um, so if you're still with us, just be warned one more time that there's spoilers for the sh- well, mostly for the comic here, and a fair bit of speculation for the TV show, too. So the idea here is that um, the producers of this TV show are playing with the audience a little bit. And by yeah. that, I mean that they want us to think Glenn is dead here just to find out that, oh my gosh, he survives just so they can kill him off later this season and make it an even bigger surprise when the audience has, <laughs> has their guard down, essentially. So this is the psych moment when then later on they're going to have the real moment. That's right. That's exactly what I'm saying. And <clears throat> a lot of people think this is what they're doing. Because if you read the comic, and how far are you in the comic, Jason? Remind me. Uh, I am at issue 100. You have read up to 100. Right to 100. All right. So, spoiler for the comic coming up right now. In issue number 100 of the comic, Glenn is killed. Yes. He is killed by a character who's not been introduced on the TV show yet, but who there is a good chance will be introduced at some point in season six. And there was an interview with somebody, it might have been Nicotero or it might have been Scott Gimple at one point, where they were asked about this scene in the comic and would they be doing that in the show? And obviously they didn't, they didn't answer that, but they did say that that is one of the biggest moments in the comic and it's too big of a moment in the sort of Walking Dead lore to not do that on the show. That's true. Yeah. So they didn't say we're doing it. They didn't say we're not doing it, but they said it's one of the most important things that happens in the comics, so you kind of have to figure it's going to be in the show at some point. So when I saw Glenn falling off that dumpster and being torn apart by zombies, I'm like, this is not how Glenn dies. This is not how he's supposed to die. At the time, I thought this is how they're doing it, but then very quickly I was like, no, this is not it. This can't be it. They're psyching us out like you said. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of it. Just that, you know, I think they're making us think he's dead here. And to the casual viewer, they'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe he survived. Then they'll figure Glenn's good for a while. And then, you know, they'll pull the rug out from under and suddenly Glenn is killed by this comic book character that's introduced on the show. I think that's a pretty plausible concept of what their producer's plan is. Yeah. So you're telling me that the spoiler is Glenn's not dead. He's totally not dead. There's no way he's dead. Well, the spoiler is more that the, the comic thing, um, that he's he's killed in the comic. Oh yeah, I, I don't okay. want to reveal that to anybody too much. That's true. That's a that's a big deal. That would be uh, that would be a fireable offense. Right, and I don't I want would, to get. Fired, I would have man. to fire you. Yeah. I need I need this job. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so um. So so that's it. Uh, um. Anyways, I don't know. Bottom line, Glenn's not dead. Next week on The Walking Dead is the Morgan flashback episode, so we're gonna have to go two oh, cool. two full weeks before we find out what the hell is going on. Um, and next week's ninety minutes too, so we oh, get yeah? ninety minutes of Morgan next week. Ninety Morgan minutes. That's exactly right. In your face. In your face, Glenn. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're going to have to lie under that pile of zombies for No, I'm just saying that Morgan days. will be in your face for 90 minutes. Oh, he will for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find out who the cheesemaker is, I hope. Yes. I mean, you can't mention a cheesemaker and then not pay that off later, right? Well, that's, you know, that's the nature of television. You mention a cheesemaker, you have to show the cheesemaker. Exactly. And you have to show big with lot of, lots of wheels of cheese. I hope so. I really, really hope so. Have you ever bought a whole wheel of cheese? Nope. I should. You you have? No, I'm saying you should. You're the cheese guy. God, I love cheese. You should buy a whole wheel of cheese. Okay, maybe I will. You, you should talk to your wife and your daughters, and you should say for Christmas, I want a wheel of cheese. It doesn't have to be a big wheel. It have to be <laughs> one of those big suckers that you, uh, that you buy and then distribute to slices of cheese to all of your dog friends. It just has to be a little tiny cheese wheel that uh, you can enjoy over the course of a weekend. That's still probably a lot of cheese for a weekend. And my dog friends, they'd eat that cheese like crazy. Well, of course they would. Dogs right. love cheese, just like dogs love cake. <laughs> Everything comes right back around to a dog eating a cake. Well, yeah, because dogs are awesome. They sure are. All right, that's it, everyone. We will see you on Wednesday. Thanks for listening. All right, bye.